2014, we decided to start Tropeka. We launched in February 2016, poured all of our money into it, and our business shot up like crazy. And we went from $0 with the $0 marketing budget 2016 to in 2019, we did over $10 million, eight figures in just three years. Every day was absolute torture. You know, they diagnosed me with chronic fatigue syndrome, which is an exclusionary illness, which means a doctor goes down the list, tick boxes, doesn't equal anything, and says at the end of the day, hey, I've got no idea what's wrong with you. It's a whole lot of lack of hope, uh, and that's a horrible place to be in as a young person to start with. Between 2011 and mid-2014, I felt like I'd been hit by a bus every single day. Fucking war. I love it. I thrive off it. If you're doing it for someone else or you're doing it for the look or the ego, good luck to you. Like, that's not sustainable. The battles that I've had to go through and just the, the effort that you've got to put in day in, day out, like, it's because I love it. Because It's because I have a TV in front of me and I'm like, I don't want to watch Netflix. I do not want to watch TV. I want to work on my business and I love it. I love putting out the fires. Just quickly before we get started, guys, if you've been enjoying the podcast, can I please ask that you consider leaving a five-star review and subscribing on whatever platform you've been listening. It really helps the podcast grow. All right, today we're lucky enough to have uh, the f- co-founder and CEO of one of Australia's most successful e-com companies, uh, a leader in the health food space, um, Caleb Marshall, founder, co-founder and CEO of Tropeka. I'm sure a lot of people listening, if you're based in Australia, there's a very, very good chance um, that you've heard of Tropeka. They've been doing amazing things for a while. 30 under 30 lister, another one we've had in. So congrats on on that. It's always a, a cool little, you know, pat on the back for yourself and with everything you've done to get that recognition. But what I'm so excited to talk to you about is the business journey. Of course, everything you've done, growing Tropeka into, into an eight-figure brand from scratch. Um, but then obviously... And I think this is where we'll start because it's so tied to everything you've done, your whole personal and health journey that was the catalyst of this. But first of all, Caleb, thanks for making the, the trek down to Sydney um, and welcome to Life, Money and Love. Thank you, mate. Great to be here. Excited. For sure. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been nerding out doing my research on you, obviously, because there's two things I'm really interested in that, that you're really experienced in is obviously the e-com and the business side, but also the health and wellness side of things. So I'm really I'm really eager to to dig into your brain about your experiences. And I think there's a lot of value for people listening to hear kind of what you've went through and and and, and how you've got to where you are today. Well, let's take it back. I'm sure you've spoken about this before, but it's just such a pivotal part of your journey that we can't leave out. You're, for those of you that don't know, you struggled with chronic fatigue syndrome for three and a half years from about 2011 to 2014. Take me back to there, paint the picture. What was life like back then? Yeah, horrible, mate, to say <laughs> yeah, the least. Sounds it. Uh, every day was absolute torture, um, to say the least. Like, you know, they diagnosed me with chronic fatigue syndrome, which is an exclusionary illness, which means a doctor goes down the list, um, you know, the tick boxes doesn't equal anything and says at the end of the day, Hey, I've got no idea what's wrong with you. And, uh, you obviously, you know, physical and mental, um, issues aside, like it's a whole lot of lack of hope. Uh, and that's a horrible place to be in as a young person to start with. But uh, between 2011 and mid 2014, I felt like I'd been hit by a bus every single day, um, pain throughout my whole body, inflammation, uh, flu-like symptoms, just physical pain uh, and chronic exhaustion. And with that physical pain comes mental pain, like depression, suicidal thoughts at times. And all of that leads back into as well, like if a doctor says, hey, you've got no idea what's wrong with you, um, a lack of hope. Mm. And with that lack of hope, you kind of don't, don't even know what next step to take, right? And so I went on a process of self-discovery. Um, 
and it took me a couple of years um, to kind of know what the next step was to kind of figure out what I don't know that I don't know. Mm. And that was uh, leading me onto a path of uh, integrative and functional medicine and nutrition. And I met these functional doctors who said radical things at the time, which was, hey, if you change your diet and you stop eating shitty foods and you cut them out and you make some lifestyle changes and you start to eat healthy, uh, your life will change around because it'll put your body in a position to heal itself. And of course, I, I didn't hear that from conventional um, medicine at the time. They, uh, they had no idea about that back in 2013, 2014, and, and before that, 2011, 2012. And I, um, my life radically changed around in just a few weeks from that. Now, I didn't cure myself in those few weeks, but I took the inflammatory load off my body by changing my diet. Mm. And that um, allowed me to not feel like absolute crap every single day. And uh, it led me naturally down to the health food store at the time in 2014. And funnily enough, my, my, my housemate at the time shared an apartment. I had his own health issues. And so we went on that journey together. We went down to the health food store and we realized, wow, in 2014, the only people going to a health food store at the time were old people and hippies. <laughs> and we're like, someone has to make this cool and relatable to the younger generation. And we were like, let's do it. Let's do it. Like, let's create a company where people have the ability on social media, which at the time people could on social media shout out their favorite alcohol brand, shout out their favorite club or pub, right? They could tag those locations and those brands. But there wasn't a brand that they felt proud of to actually tag around, hey, I'm into wellness, I'm into health, I'm proud of it, and this is the brand that allows me to express my values. And so 2014, we decided to start Tropeka. Funnily enough, we were like, let's start a kombucha brand before kombucha even took off. And now look at that. Yeah, and, um, and we didn't have the money to do it. Uh, and we were like, okay, well, what can we do next? Well, we love superfoods. Let's start a superfood company. And so we, uh, we decided to go down the route of superfoods and it took us two years or about 18 months or two years to, um, to find the best suppliers in the world, formulate the best products in the world. We knew that we, we saw the impact that high quality nutrition made on, on our lives. And we we're like, we're not going into this for bullshit reasons. We're going to create the best products that we can. And we're going to create something that makes a lasting impact on people. And we, we did that. It took a long time to work with the right teams, the right suppliers. And we launched in February 2016. We poured all of our money into it. And uh, that was um, $60,000 each, $120,000. And we were completely broke and we had no marketing <laughs> budget. And we sent our products to what was um, influencers and people along those lines, and uh, they promoted it for free. They loved it, loved what it did for their body. They loved the product, and our business shot up like crazy. And we went from $0 with a $0 marketing budget in 2016 to in um, 2019, we did uh, over $10 million, eight figures in just three years on a shoestring budget no investors. And, uh, it was a very, very wild ride and we continue to grow and doing some exciting stuff now this year. And I'm very blessed, very grateful to have the team, uh, behind us that, uh, it, it shares the vision that we have, which is to positively impact millions of people in their health around the world. And 
well and truly on that journey. Well, you, you obviously picked a really good industry and a good time to enter it because look at like some of these things you've talked spoken about, and I will get your thoughts a little bit more like functional and integrative medicine, like thinking about the power of nutrition, health food stores, look how far they've come in the last decade. Mm. And then what would probably excite you is like how far they're going to go in the next decade. Mm. But there's so many things I want to ask you from what you just said. The first thing is like those changes that you made. Now you're obviously a lot more educated in this than you were when you first got the diagnosis diagnosis, which is means they don't fucking know what's going on with you. Yeah. You're this young guy. You lost it. three years of your twenties, like some of the best years of, of, of people's lives full of self-discovery, but in different ways, you lost a lot of that. And there was no answers. When you finally start having the conversations with these other sort of alternative doctors, what did that moment of hope give to you? And then for people that haven't, haven't really heard of the, heard of the terms and know what they are, could you um, explain what functional and integrative medicine means? Yeah, great question. So functional, the, the approach of the functional medicine takes, which is they're just, they're normal doctors, right? But they specialize in functional and integrative medicine is they treat the body as the whole, right? So uh, conventional medicine, uh, very much so uh, in a lot of respects, not in all respects, but in a lot of respects, especially 10 years ago would, you know, have certain disciplines which focus on um, certain organs or, you know, or your blood or whatever it might be, or your brain, instead of realizing um, that health is a, is, is very much a functional thing. It's an integrative thing. It's your whole body. It's, um, it's the food that you put into it. The, it, it very much focuses on preventative medicine, mm. right? Which um, so much of our healthcare these days is sick care, right? You go to the doctor because you're sick. whereas you should be seeking medical advice over how can you prevent yourself from getting sick in the first place and taking those actionable steps. And so that's what functional medicine um, focus on, focuses on. Uh, there's some really amazing functional doctors like Dr. Mark Hyman out of the States. I read his New York Times bestselling books that changed my life around, uh, among others. What was that book? Uh, the Ultra Mind Solution was the first one that I read. And uh, I think he brought that, he might have brought that out around the time of when I was, yeah. um, was uh, discovering, um, you know, high quality nutrition and, and then also lifestyle factors. Like a lot of what I say now is starting to become obvious, but it wasn't in 2014, mm-hmm. right? It was, um, and there's a lot of gurus that say this, like just work your ass off and don't get enough sleep, sleep when you're <laughs> dead. It's like, that was a cool thing to say in 2014, yeah. but it's like sleep is the backbone of high performance and it's the backbone of health. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I say, people say, oh, Caleb, what product should I take from Tropeka? I say, no, first focus on cut the shit out of your diet, get great sleep, learn to manage stress and drink plenty of water, right? And then focus on Tropeka and the supplements and, and, and not just Tropeka, there's heaps of great brands out there. And this is how you identify great brands and great products. And this is how you identify the shit ones because there's so many shit ones in the health and wellness industry and just cowboys doing crappy products just to make a profit. So I always give the analogy and the metaphor, like you don't, your, your, your body is a high performance machine. And so you, you wouldn't take a high performance car or any car for that matter. Let's say it's an unleaded petrol car. You wouldn't go to the petrol station and fill up half the tank with 98 fuel. And then the other tank, half of the tank with diesel, it wouldn't run. So why do you think for a second that you can take your high-performance car, your body, and fill it up with 98 fuel, Tropeka, Mm. and then fill the rest of the tank up with shitty food and think 
that your 98 fuel is going to perform really, really well for your body. Now, thankfully, our body's a whole lot forgiving than a car, right? And it manages. And especially the other thing, if you're doing the other key component of health, which is exercising, like that really helps as well and sleeping, right? So um, making sure that you you really follow those steps, cut out the crap from your diet, and then get great sleep, reduce stress, drink clean water, don't drink your soft drinks, your sodas. Now, there is a time for balance and you can have that, but understand balance isn't 50-50. Balance is 90-10 if you want your body to run well. If you don't, then, yeah, go 50-50 and then good luck. Enjoy yourself. And and I've fallen into that trap myself being being an entrepreneur and, and you know, having the weight of a business on your back and being this young, ambitious guy driven to achieve your goals. And, you know, your body, like you said, it's resilient. It can manage. Um, you can get through it maybe, maybe for months, maybe for years, but I'm in the middle of like a, a bit of a health revolution because I've realized that. So I launched Happy Skin Co a bit over five years ago. So it's been like, you know, five, six years of pretty high levels of stress, you know, not bad stress, good stress and bad stress, I suppose, but just a high level of stress. And like, after probably get going through that burnout for the second time, I started to realize, holy shit, like, cause when you're, and, and, <laughs> Burnout, when I say burnout, I've probably experienced a few weeks of this. This is probably a small scale of what you had for, for three years. But like when you want to be productive and when you are in business and you have big goals and you can't perform or you can't work because of your body is letting you down, that's when you realize the most productive thing you can do, the best thing you can do to be successful in business is to look after your health. And as we get older, obviously you have to put more emphasis on it. But also I feel like, and I'd love to get you a take as someone who's more educated in this space than me. I feel like it's not just me. I feel like as a whole, people are getting sicker more often. What do you feel like that comes down to? Is it our diets? You know, is it, is it, you know, the pollutants in the air? Is it all being surrounded by technology 24 seven? Is it the water we drink, the stressful lives, social media? Why do you think that like humans as a whole, we've started to see people's health deteriorate more and more year and year? Well, the great news is it's all of those things. So, yeah. <laughs> um, look, it's you're never going to escape everything, right? And so it's it's a matter of um, figuring out how you can. Uh, it's the eighty twenty principle, right? Like, what can you do? What twenty percent of things can you do to get eighty percent of the results, and you'll feel amazing off the back of it, right? Um, I do unhealthy things every single day. I work for 12 to 14 hours every single day. That is not healthy, but I've never experienced burnout, right? Because I, I do what Novak Djokovic does in sport, which is Novak Djokovic puts his body through shit that no one else on the planet can do. But you know what he does better than anyone else? He recovers like a professional. And so for me, I don't recover as well as Novak Djokovic um, <laughs> and I don't need to, yeah. but I have the same mindset. Like if I'm going to do stuff that is incredibly arduous on my body, then is arduous the word? I, I think I felt like I just made that up, but it sounds good. Strenuous. Yeah, strenuous, yeah. strenuous. Um, <laughs> then I'm going to recover really, really well. And I do that every day and I prioritize my health around that, right? So back to like your question, which ties into that is like, yeah, like the first thing, the 80-20 principle there is cut out the crap from your diet, right? Like figure out... Um, and there's like we could have a six hour podcast here if if we do this and um we gotta we gotta be careful. But like just like there's so many things that you can do where it's like balance your blood sugar levels, have like protein, have fiber, veggies, right? Um, don't get on like 
the sugars and the the Coca Colas and the Red Bulls and all of that, right? Um, that's just going to spike your blood sugar levels and then um, cause a massive crash, and it's not going to um, it's not going to make your body resilient. Have um, like have a focus on um, when you go into like the supermarket, like what are you purchasing so that when you bring it back home, you've only got accessible foods that are actually going to do your body good, right? Because if you can put yourself into a position where you don't necessarily need to just have pure willpower to not pick up the the block of chocolate because it's not accessible to you, then that's an easy win, right? Like it's a one of those 20% to get 80% of the results. Like the pre-commitment to a healthy habit. Exactly, right? And um, like forgive your, being forgiving of yourself and others at the same time, but especially yourself if you make the wrong choices and just like saying, okay, I'm going to get back onto making the right um, decisions next time. So that fits in, that little point there fits into the broader like question of like why are people getting sicker? Well, people getting sicker for so many reasons. Big one is diet. Big one is um, people don't realize the scale of what's happening. Like you've got billion-dollar industries and the top food scientists in the world creating packaged food with such precision and such science to make it the most addictive that it can be. Like you're up against that when you walk into a supermarket. Like people don't realize that. People are like, like you, you literally have the, the, I don't know, like the Elon Musk's of the food science world working for these massive billion dollar budgets, working for these massive corporations to like figure out ways to hook people on their shitty food so that they can increase shareholder value. Right. So what are you going to do? Be the strong person that you are and walk down that aisle and think that you're going to have the willpower to overcome a billion dollar corporation who is able to give you food that lights up your brain in the same way that certain drugs light up your brain. Like good fucking luck. And like, you you know, said- I, like I don't have that willpower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So being able to like make healthy and again, balance is key, right? But balance isn't 50, 50. So um, there's times where you need to enjoy yourself. That's not a problem. But thinking that you're going to go, like making it easy on yourself to improve your health by not walking down the aisles of, you know, the sweet aisle um, or the, like the, the junk food aisle and purchasing your food from the outside aisles is such an easy way to make sure that you improve your, your, your overall health and life quality. But as well, what makes it so bad you're right in what you said, you're up against the billion dollar industry, but you're not, you're up against two because it's like, yeah, they're billion dollar industries with the, making the food that makes you sick. And then the pharmaceutical companies want you to be sick so they can sell you all the drugs. And going back to the integrative piece, like you go to a doctor, 95% of them, they're all about treating the symptom and they don't ever look at the root cause. So it's like this whole big thing, like you said, it's so much bigger. And then even if you want to make a healthy choice, I'm sure this is something that grinds your gears a bit. You'll go into the health food section and if you have a look at the, the ingredients, like half the, half the products aren't even really good. They're fucking f- filled with seed oils, vegetable oils, all this stuff that's unnecessary that's still causing inflammation. How do people like start to navigate what healthy choices can be made? Because like you, you would know, the cowboys in the health food 
um, space that probably make it more difficult for the, for, for everyone because they're selling shit products with shit ingredients that may on the outside, if you just read the, what the product's called, looks good. But if you just dig a little bit deeper, you know, is actually causing more harm than good. All right, guys, just quickly, I've got some news. I've spent close to the past 18 months building the ultimate program that takes you through the complete process. And I mean the complete process of launching and scaling your very own e-commerce brand from zero all the way up to a million dollars plus per year. And now with this program, what you're going to get access to is 15 modules with over 100 training videos and 23 hours of in-depth content, taking you through everything you need to know to build a successful e-com brand. And this is the important part. This isn't just stuff that you can look up on YouTube. This is stuff I've taken from real lessons and experiences building Happy Skin Co. from zero all the way up to an eight-figure per year brand. You're going to get access to loads of custom tools, templates, and calculators that I've used to build and run Happy Skin Co. There's going to be one-on-one mentoring with myself and other expert coaches. And there's also weekly group Q&A calls with myself to make sure you're feeling completely supported throughout the entire process. And now what I've learned from consulting to everyone from people starting their very first e-commerce brand all the way up to brands already doing seven figures plus per year is that there's a process and a framework to follow if you want to be successful with e-com. Now, if this is something you're interested in, hit the link below and go to join.viralbrandbuilder.com. All the information's there and you can book a call directly with me. Otherwise, send me a DM and we can chat there. Anyway, let's get back to the pod. Absolutely. When I meet my fellow competitors, I'll I'll meet them occasionally at trade events. I'll meet them at, um, at other even marketing events. Uh, and I know who the good ones are. I say, hey, all the best. And I genuinely mean it. Mean it. Like, hey, like, good on you, what you're doing. You're impacting people. My real competitors are the, co- the Coca Colas and the dairy, um, the, the dairy milks of the world, you know, Cadbury and yeah, all, that, yeah, yeah. all that. My competitors aren't my competitors that are doing a great job, that are a rising tide lifts all boats and bringing interests and understanding and knowledge into our industry for people to say, yeah, I'm going to actually shop in the health food aisle today. I'm not going to shop in the junk food aisle. Now, the unfortunate thing is, and as you said, grinds my gears, it's like there's a bunch of um, companies in the wellness space that really like piss me off. (laughs) Like they're, it's like if you're like they, they, they create shitty products with high margin and they sell them in a way that um, does things that hijack the taste profile or they, they do it in a way where they, you know what greenwashing is like green, yeah, you, yeah. you would definitely know greenwashing, but I should explain it for just in case you're yeah, audience. So it. greenwashing is like making environmental claims, but um, they're full of shit. You know, and they're not actually doing it. It's like, well, my my head office is carbon neutral, but my whole manufacturing plant, <laughs> like, is the complete sure, opposite. Yeah. And there's like there's health washing, right? Where it's like, no artificial colors, no artificial flavors, yet they've got artificial sweeteners, right, in there. And like, there's a whole, there's a whole like uh, debate as to whether or not artificial sweeteners are. A bad or good for me, it's like, well, show me one fucking long-term study and, you know, then we can conclusively say in the meantime, I'm going to stick to like raw organic honey and I'm going to stick to maple syrup and I'm going to stick to um, stevia and all of that. And you can enjoy your aspartame, you know. Anyway, side note, they will health wash what they're actually doing and come off. And you get it a lot in the gym, bro 
world as yeah. well. Because gym bros, like gym bro brands want to at least, like they realize, oh, we got to, like we're known for shitty products that will give you a heart attack. So we got to at least like make it sound like it's decently healthy, right? And when I say heart attack, I'm kidding. Don't sue me. But it's just some, yeah. a, a little bit of like, um, um, I don't even know the word, exaggeration. But you know what I mean. So what frustrates me is these companies that even more so, I can understand when like gym bro companies do that, even though I don't agree with it. I can't stand it when like someone really comes off as a health and wellness company and they're selling absolute crap, right? And it's like, that's not, that's permissible indulgence, mm-hmm. right? That's you having something that through the power of marketing, there's actually a really good TikTok. I wish I remembered his name, but he does live branding. Like he turns unhealthy things into a healthy thing through that's health cool. washing and changes the front of packaging. And it's the annoying thing is it's so easy to do, mm. so easy to do. And that's why you got to truly know like who the company is, what they stand for. Are they certified as well? Like we're Australian certified organic with a lot of our products and the other ones that we have that aren't are at least organically grown. And you got to know like their reputation. We have over 20,000 five-star reviews, like more than any other health food company in Australia, right? Um, Who specializes in health food. Like that's something we're really proud of. We have the reputation. So that's an easy way to realize, oh, like this company's legit, right? Um, And then it's just a bit about like, um, it's hard to kind of like list everything now, um, but the, the big thing is like having, and you really almost have to go out and do your own research for a few hours and say like, how do like companies like health wash things? I'm not even sure if that's the phrase that you could Google, but it's like looking at things like, you know, what's the what's the quality of like if if it's a protein powder for instance like what's the quality of the protein in it is it certified organic like the the actual protein because like you know you've got the option of a certified organic pea like or you've got the option of a non organic pea which is GMO like grown on shitty infertile soils that the only way that they're able to really grow sustainably long term is through the use of like hardcore pesticides and whatnot. And then it might be like a bunch of artificial ingredients in there. Like the big one is like natural, natural flavors they use, but then they'll use artificial sweeteners. What's a bad one to look out for an artificial sweetener? Well, the classic is sucralose, right? Or um, like, yeah, that's the classic one. Now I'm not here to say that sucralose is necessarily um, like bad and going to give you cancer or anything like that. Right. But it's like, um, it's an it's an identification that if a company is putting that in their products, they're not the real they don't deal. Care, right? No, because if you generally, why do you put sucralose in your products? You put sucralose in your products because you know your product's going to taste better. Now, if your real focus is only about making your product taste better rather than the quality of the ingredients, then your your you clearly have a, an incongruence with being a health and wellness company, right? Like <laughs> the biggest challenge in health and wellness is, is being able to mix the two, like have like premium quality ingredients and then also to make the label extremely clean. The other one is, and that's why you need to know the company. Who runs the company? Why do they do what they do? What's their vision? What's their purpose? 
right? For us, it's to positively impact millions of people in their health. The other one is, can you read and understand all of the ingredients on the back of the label? That is a huge one. That's the easiest, that's probably the easiest tip. Um, and I'm, I'm going to be a little bit jagged here. If, if people are listening, it's uh, Dylan hasn't given me the questions beforehand. This is as real as it gets. So yeah. I'm getting these questions on the spot. So I've got to think back to the last time someone asked me, actually asked yeah, me this yeah, question. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, what are all the, what's like the lowest hanging fruit? Well, probably the lowest hanging fruit is like, um, yeah, it's like not an, not a label you can understand. And it's a label which has those numbers on it, you know, like E blah, 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 like, yeah. Um, which are like, you know, oftentimes colors and stuff like that or different other ingredients. Um, so read the back of the label. Like you go pick up an apple from the supermarket, you know it's an apple, right? Like when you go pick up a protein powder, does it look like a protein powder? And then might have like for us, we've got a protein powder at the moment with the world's best collagen in it, right? Marine collagen. Okay, there's a reason why it says collagen on the label. So you want to kind of trace and understand why that, why the label has um, certain ingredients in it and can you understand them all? Like, do you know what they are? Like a really good example as well, and you probably don't want to name brands yourself because you're in the space, but I'm not, so I don't give a fuck. But like, <laughs> um, you look at brands like Prime. They try and market themselves as the best fucking sports drinks for athletes. And you look at their, like, the more electrolytes than Gatorade, for one that's full of sucralose, or however you fucking say it. And like, you look at the electrolyte profile, do you know more plates, more dates? I do. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. really good when it comes down to Isn't like- his co- name Dylan as well? Der- Derek. Derek, Derek, yeah. yeah. Derek, yeah. Where he just essentially does what we're talking about, calls out these shit Jimbo brands and actually talks about the ingredients and compares them. Yeah. It's like, because the reason he wasn't going to call them out or anything, but they did this whole campaign versus like Liquid IV and Gatorade, which again, they might not be the healthiest drinks, but for their, for actual athletes in the middle of sport, they're way better than them prime. And, and they compared them and broke it down and realized for them to mass market to people, they'll just see, you know, the, 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 the branding and the logo and what it is. And they'll take that. Or they'll take that for what it is. But when you just dig that little bit deep, you realize how fucking shit and bad for you these products are. No comment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. so I, um, I, I saw, um, I saw someone call them out on LinkedIn and, yeah, um, and yeah. then one of, um, and then the actual manufacturer, the guy behind it, like, it's like, Oh, I screenshot this and like sent him a cease and desist apparently, which says, um, I will just say, says everything. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, um, Here's a, here's a very interesting one. Our biggest challenge is, so our biggest challenge is people trying our products and being like, oh my God, this tastes shit compared to this. Even though we got 20,000 mm. five-star reviews, it's like, oh, this tastes shit compared to, and then they'll insert mainstream brand. Yeah. And it's like mainstream brand, yeah, the one that's like full of shitty ingredients that are designed in a way for you to absolutely love them. but. We're in the, I'm, I'm in health and wellness. I'm not in um, permissible indulgence. I'm not in um, the junk food aisle, right? Like my biggest challenge is producing a product that is health and wellness, but, a, but is close enough to a mass market appeal that I can somehow convince that mass market to, come over and have our high quality products. And yeah, maybe it won't taste as good as a Coca-Cola, but I guarantee you'll still enjoy the taste and it'll do your body so much good. But you'll enjoy it more knowing that it's not full of those things that are harming your body. I wish. 
I wish, but I don't think people. I do for sure. Yeah, but I don't think. um, Yes, there's a lot of people that do, but in terms of the mass market, there's a big audience Mm. that don't think we don't. We're not as rational as what we'd like to be. We're emotional when we eat. Yeah. Um. Even for the 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 least emotional kind of person out there, right? And um, I'm emotional when I choose my 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 decision making around what I eat, right? But I just do it hopefully in a, a whole a whole lot less than than um than I could perhaps. So yeah, it's um it it it, it comes back down to yes, these like mass market products are designed for the mass market mm-hmm. to health wash and to to make people feel like they can have their cake and eat it too. <laughs> One question I have for you, I know your main market, or well, I assume your main market's Australia. And generally, yeah, I, I say these things like I do, and I'm probably in a little bit of a bubble because a lot of my friends are very health conscious as well. But still, if you compare the, the the health habits of Australians compared to Americans, I feel like as a whole, we generally lean, eat a bit cleaner, live a bit healthier lives. As you guys have expanded and continued to grow in the US, has that, you know, how you're trying to entice them over to the good side and and maybe sacrifice some taste for, you know, the premium products that are actually clean and going to do good things for you. Have you noticed a little bit, it needs a little bit more education and convincing in the US because of, you know, how full of chemicals their food is? I think if we were really, really big, yes. Uh, we do solid volume, like millions into the US and and, and overseas, but um, it's actually a much better market. We're very restricted. I always say, look, if I started my business in the US, I, our business would be four or five times bigger. It would be humongous. True, yeah. um, but I'm grateful for what I have because I could have grown up in Samoa and had that population as my domestic market. So I'm grateful that I've got Australia and a, a country that, that definitely embraces health and wellness. But even if we embrace it more than the US, just the size and scope of the US means that there's far more consumers that I could target, that my business could be a lot, whole lot bigger off. Um, that are already educated and look there's in terms of functional medicine and nutrition and and biohacking which is a big one as well uh yeah they're miles ahead of australia yeah i guess so because they 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 go further both sides and because there's so many of them there's heaps that are super health conscious so that's a good point you make and then you're maybe five years down the track when it's becoming more of a mass market brand maybe you'll run into those sorts of things but like you said the rising tide lifts all boats um one question i want to have as well and i know putting you on the spot but you mentioned part of what was causing a lot of the issues was inflammation what are some of the foods off the top of your head that cause or can cause a lot of people problems with inflammation internally yeah, if you're feeling sick, um, an elimination diet is one of the best things you can do alongside an educated doctor and what I and an educated nutritionist. Uh, I sat in front of doctors and nutritionists when I first started reading about uh, eliminating the foods out of my diet that could be potentially inflammatory, and everyone's different. And they and they said, "No, don't do that. You don't need to do that." Mm. And um, and there's plenty of um, Plenty of professionals to this day that won't follow that kind of path that um, is one of the first things that a functional medicine doctor and nutrition or, and or nutrition, because you've got nutritionists in that field as well, uh, that will that we'll investigate, right? It's one of the it's just one of the strangest things to not do this because it's so easy. And that is an elimination diet. Cut out gluten. 
you're not going to die or get sicker by not eating gluten, right? And you'll know, you'll know, oh, like split tests. Like we know it in marketing. We run split tests all the time. You know why we run split tests? Because we know it fucking works, right? It works on both ways. It works with us finding out it works and it was correct. And it also works in the fact that we can find out it doesn't work. And it's so strange that like there are professionals out there that won't recommend this. Oh no, have this pill instead. Have this, have this pill to like reduce your symptoms. Okay, cool. We can have that conversation and that's fine, right? You're the professional, you know about your pills, okay? All good. But there's also a tool that you can use that works really well from other doctors and nutritionists, which is an elimination diet, split test cutting out gluten. That fucking changed my life. Split tests, and I'll tell you why in a second, split tests cutting out dairy. That changed my life even more. I literally cut out gluten. I still remember the conversation with a nutritionist. I literally cut out gluten. I saw this health professional that was changing um, from overseas and they were changing like um, Dr. Mark Hyman included, like changing so many people's lives, like success story after success story. I cut out gluten and I I was like, wow, my life actually starts to feel completely different all of a sudden. And then I was like, I went back a week later. I'm like, hey, I'm going to cut out dairy. And they're like, no, you, you need your calcium. Don't do that. It's like I, I've been literally fucking chronically sick for three and a half years <laughs> and you're talking about calcium. Yeah. You're, do you know how many ways you can get calcium? You can get calcium by going to chemist warehouse and getting a calcium tablet if you're that scared that someone will literally die of a lack of calcium in the next couple of weeks when they've been sick for three and a half years. It's just so absurd. Yeah, it's crazy. And so I cut out dairy and it completely changed my life around. And I cut out sugars and it completely, like artificial sugars, not like your, your raw honey and all that kind of jazz. And, and I cut out the crap, like the packaged food, right? And, and then people will say, oh, but you've got packaged food. It's like, yes, I have to turn acai or cacao into a powder because I can't ship it fresh from the middle of the Amazon over here, but we don't put all the other crap in it and it's high in nutrients and it doesn't have any inflammatory elements in it. So that's why they're powders. Um, And and I have to put it in packaging because the government says so. And you probably want me to put it in packaging (laughs) as well instead of just putting it in a DHL flyer (laughs) anyway. And so um, those things changed my life. So I'd say like, Work with a health professional who understands it. Go to a functional medicine nutri- uh, doctor or nutritionist. Type it into Google. You'll find one in your local area. There's even a data. There's a website with a database on it, which is really good as well. And um, and they'll help you with that. They'll they'll help you with um, finding the underlying issue. Now, my underlying issue was between 2016. Uh, two, sorry, 2006. 2006 to 2011, when I was a teenager, I had acne, and my doctor who had no long-term health studies around this, said that I could take oral antibiotics for my skin, my acne. I took it for five years straight and he kept on prescribing it to me and saying five it was completely fine. Kept on giving it to me and saying it was fine. And, um, and this is 2006. They didn't have that wisdom. But it also says the importance of having long-term. My life got fucked over by medical professionals who you trust and rely on to make decisions and they were making decisions off their short-term evidence. There is no long, there was no long-term studies around this. And now today you talk to any functional medicine, you, uh, medicine doctor 
uh, worth their salt and they'll say that antibiotics is the worst thing for your gut because what it does is, which it did for me, is yes, it kills all the bad bacteria but also kills all your other good bacteria in the microbiome and it creates a thing called dysbiosis and it uh, which is too much um, uh, bad bacteria, the ratio between bad bacteria to good bacteria in a very simplistic way. And um, when you do that, it destroys your, your the, it dysregulates your immune system. 70% of your immune system is in your gut. So it's no wonder I felt like I had the flu every single day. And it's because my immune system was dysregulated. And then what happened? I went to another conventional doctor at that time and I said, hey, uh, this is in end of 2011, start 2012. I've got the flu every day and he gave me, weirdly enough, more antibiotics, right? And it's like one you probably shouldn't have even done. It was like I felt like I had the flu. But, um, yeah, and so, like, it made it even worse. And then another thing on top of that, I was then sick for, like, um, a long time, like at least six months. And then um, I hadn't moved into my apartment um, that was the apartment my co-founder was in. and. I moved into that maybe nine months after getting sick or something like that. I can't even remember now. It's quite a while of being sick. And then I moved in and then that apartment had mold. So as I started to get healthy, one thing that people didn't know at all back in the day was the dangers of mold. If you live in a, uh, an apartment with mold and you don't know why you feel sick all the time, well, there's your answer. 25% of the world's population, this is research based off Dr. Shoemaker, I'm out of the States, 25% of the world's population, perhaps even more, uh, doesn't have the gene that's capable of producing the antibody responsible for detoxing from mold. And so when I did a test a few years later and found out that I had mold toxicity 20 to 30 times higher than the safe limits, um, there was a reason why. Ironically, I was, I was actually, because I was so, so healthy for those few years, I actually was a whole lot healthier but I wasn't getting to complete healing until I also got out of my moldy environment. So I just thing after thing after thing. So um, someone that has that um, is missing that gene that can fight the toxicity of mold. Mm-hmm. What can you do to toxi- uh, detoxify that from your system? Like, are there supplements? Are there like, mm-hmm. what, what can you do to, to help rid that from your system? Well, first and foremost, get out of the place. Like ASAP, like get out. Like get rid of the mold, but oftentimes it's really hard to get rid of mold properly, and it could even be behind walls and stuff like that. Um, get out of the apartment or the house. Um, now you definitely want to be working with a doctor um, on this, and uh, and not your GP down the road. It needs to be. Um, there's a couple of doctors in Australia that are really, um, really well versed in uh, in mold. Um, one's up in Queensland, um, Doctor Sandeep. Dr. Gupta, I think his first name's Sandeep. There's a few out there. Um, functional medicine practitioners are, are generally have a, a decent idea because so many people are now coming, um, uh, realizing the, the issues with mold exposure. But um, yeah, look, um, to answer your question, yes, like there's um, there's binders you take, um, like activated charcoal, bentonite, clay, um, zeolite. Uh, there's even uh, a couple of pharmaceutical. Uh, one in particular medication that's a really strong binder that you can also take. Um, pharmaceuticals aren't inherently bad, right? This isn't a dump on the pharmaceutical industry, although they deserve a whole lot of sh- shame at the same time. Um, but, uh, they, but they also deserve yes, yeah. a, a whole lot of praise at the same time. You know, it's it, there's, there's that balance in life. You know, they produce um, incredibly important drugs, but they also 
are a, a very corrupt industry to oh, say they're the extremely least. trustworthy what do you yeah, mean yeah exactly <laughs> um, and especially in the US where um, you, you know you can advertise pharmaceuticals on um, on TV on on any platform and they're the biggest lobbyists I, in, in in government in Washington when I, when I was in the US and I was watching TV I couldn't fucking believe it Le- genuinely at the minimum every second ad was some sort of pharmaceutical yeah. we're so lucky we don't have that degree, like we might, we'll have like a Panadol ad and stuff, but like prescription drugs on the television, like back to back to back, it was ridiculous. No wonder it's a, it's a whole other kettle of fish, but it's, yeah. It's sick care again. Yeah. It's, um, it's very, it's, it's the most profitable, um, lifetime customer value. We talk about that lots in, in the world of e-commerce and, uh, the, the, the industry that does it better than anyone else on the planet is besides maybe, um, the, uh, the, the petrol industry with our cars, but um, is um, is pharmaceutical industry. You don't, it's not very profitable to have a healthy customer, right? So all you're doing is treating customers all day. And that's the, the very crux of why functional medicine exists. It's like, we're not here to treat a customer uh, for their symptoms and to put a Band-Aid on top. There's a reason why you're sick underneath and uh, you can, your body actually inherently wants to heal itself. It's working towards healing every single day. If you're sick, it's because you're doing something to your body or something as a third party, such as mold, such as the, you know, the toxins that you put on your body from personal care products, which is a whole nother thing in and itself is causing you to be sick in some way. And your body is saying, Hey, like, I want to be healthy here. Like, this is why I'm causing you this pain. There's something wrong. You need to do something about it. Is there, and this might be, um, well, obviously it's been, I'm sure there's plenty of people way smarter than us thinking about it, but like to that point you made, like a a healthy person isn't a really good customer for these big pharmaceuticals and that whole industry. Do you think there's anything that we can do or will change in our lifetime to change the incentives around that? Because the way it's structured currently, it's a lose-lose for for, for people. Yeah, it's um, it's a very, very good question. Um, There's a lot of hope in in the area of um, a lot of it comes out of like the anti-aging field. So some really, really good books on it where like the people to like the anti-aging field is oftentimes a reflection of where medicine's going towards, like especially around personalized medicine. So I think, and with AI on top of that, like AI personalized medicine um, and, um, and a greater education and awareness which the world, like the world's becoming more educated because more people are becoming sick and then sharing their story mm. on social and people are realizing, oh, wow, yeah, like this pill is a Band-Aid, right? Um, whereas like it's so weird. It, 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 it weirds me out all the time that like food literally creates a human. Like it, it grows a little baby in the womb all the way up to a functioning adult. It like performs that miracle. Like I'm literally looking at a miracle right now off the back of food and water. And then they're like, oh, I'm sick. I need a pill. It's like, dude, like, can't you see the miracle in front of you that that food did? And then they're like surprised when you say that like your body has the capabilities to heal itself through food. Like now I'm not saying, this is where it gets fucking annoying. I'm not saying that food's going to cure cancer right? Yes. There's like, 
there are anomalies, of course. Like, and yes, you need incredibly amazing doctors at a healthcare industry for a lot of things. That doesn't mean that just because we have such a great ability to um, to reduce cancer rates for one of the, for one example by cutting out cancers through the amazing work that doctors do in this area that suddenly like the, that principle applies to everything and that there's not also a principle that works in harmony where your body actually can heal itself from feeling like shit when um, you know through um, nutrition and lifestyle choices, right? Yeah. So it's like it's this broad brush, like black and white. It's not. It's like it's like functional medicine, nutrition, and health can live alongside the pharmaceutical industry and can live as- alongside conventional medicine, right? Like they can all do that, but I don't see the pharmaceutical industry pushing that. They're pushing their own agenda and conventional medicine and the textbooks that kind of uh, that shape their way of thinking um isn't really um like you go and learn like it's the it's the it's the old like statement like you go and study medicine and I know people that study medicine you don't learn nutrition when you study medicine sorry wait the backbone of what turns a little baby into a grown adult let alone all the other things like performs that miracle and pre- like but you don't study nutrition and how to be like how to be a doctor that knows nutrition really, really well. Like, wouldn't that kind of be an obvious thing? It should be a core, yeah. Core so, of what they learn. So, um, there's amazing doctors out there that have realised that and they've decided to do a thing called functional medicine and nutrition and integrated medicine, and they do what every doctor I believe should do, which is merge the pharmaceutical industry conventional medicine and then nutrition and holistic health practices together in order to find the best approach because it doesn't need to be black and white. It can be all of them coming together in order to provide a solution to make someone healthy. We go to the doctor to be healthy. You can do like, we got to remember like, as like we, we talk about this in marketing, it's like people don't give a shit about your, like the detail of your product first. People buy off the end outcome they're looking for. Right, they don't care how the technology works on your your hair um, removal device. They just don't want hair, right? Now, yes, they do care to some extent, but first and foremost, they're they're not typing in the specifications of your product. They're typing in, "Hey, I want to remove hair. Give me a solution for it." That's the same thing when you go to a doctor. Hey, I'm sick. I want to be healthy. I want my and I don't want to have to just like hide my symptoms. I want to be healthy. So give me that and then tell me about the specifications after that, which is, okay, I'm going to give you this pill from the pharmaceutical industry, but I'm also going to tell you to eat this diet and split test eating this diet and see how you feel off it. And I'm going to tell you, go and get some sleep and get eight hours of sleep and do this and that to improve your stress levels and exercise every day in some capacity. Yeah. Look, the answers are there. Like we, we have, like you said, modern medicine is doing a lot of amazing things. All you have to look at is like, look at the life expectancies, how much it's increased over the last hundred years, right? That's a great thing. But then also on the flip side is like, look how many diseases exist today that didn't exist a hundred or 200 years ago. This whole category of autoimmune disease, which is like, who even knows what the fuck of a million things that we as society are doing or eating, consuming that are causing all these things to come up. So there's definitely like, there's an answer there back to the hope piece. 
I, I don't know. I don't know if you're familiar at all with like American politics, but are you aware of like RFK and? Yeah, yep, yep. I feel like I've listened to a, a bit of his stuff lately. I feel like if America has any shred of hope at you know not continuing this downward spiral, I feel like potentially someone like him could could be the right man because I'm, the biggest thing that he he's not that I'm fucking all across American politics. I don't claim to be an expert, but like the big thing that he like he was a he was a lawyer for like decades litigating against like the pharmaceutical industry. So he's got a really clear and hard stance on on some of those principles. But I feel like apart from like some leaders, really, really strong leaders standing up to the might of these massive corporations and industries. It's going to be difficult for society to change as a whole. That's where it gets flicked back down onto you've got the education, it's personal responsibility. The system might not change, probably won't. Hopefully it does, but you've got a choice and and you can empower yourself to look after your own health and wellness just as much as like on the business side of things, you can decide what you want your life to be and start putting the steps in place to to build that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, RFK um, stands for stands for truth from, um, his, um, what I, what I've seen of him and, um, knowing his, um, a bit about his, a bit about his background. I don't know everything about him, but, um, yeah, I mean, um, he certainly looks a whole lot better than the other options. <laughs> yeah. the, the head of the health, like, have you seen like all these health experts that set the health agenda for every country? They look like the sickest people on planet earth. Yeah. Like it's, it's crazy. Now there's some, uh, yeah, some funny, um, memes about them and, um, and, you know, and, and then they're telling you to trust them. And it's like... Um, Blindly trust them as well. Yeah, and I, I heard someone um, talk to RFK about this and he says, um, you know, what about trusting the science or any of those cliched statements? And it's like, well, look, I've been in litigation um, <laughs> for 500 cases and on my side I had someone from Harvard, Yale and Stanford. And on the opposite side I had a lawyer as well from Harvard, Stanford and Yale. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the exact... Um, we have scientists on both sides from the exact same institutions. So how do you trust the science when yep. um, there is um, conflicting thoughts from professionals and scientists on both sides? And it comes back down to how we do change anything. We have we change things through um, open debates and constructive conversations. And um, there's a um, there's a trend. Um, of wanting to silence people, and um, if um, if you've read history, um, it's extremely worrying. It is. It's not. Um, it's not the um, most enjoyable thing. I've read Gulag Archipelago, and that's a good place to start if you want to read what happens when you silence people and um, and, and don't allow for for healthy debate. And uh, and uh, yeah, we are. These are all very complex topics, and complex topics requires healthy debates and open conversations because uh, complex topics don't have black and white answers. And that's the whole thing about trust the science. Like science is built off debate and, you know, research and not, you don't get to an answer and then that's it. You can't question it. The whole idea behind science and in like evolution, not evolution as in humans, as in evolution of like progressing us forward in our understanding is by questioning it and having healthy open-ended debates. And sure, you can't let people go off and say all this bullshit stuff that everyone knows isn't real, but it's like, you can't stop people from having that conversation. Like, and I feel like as well, and this is where people have to realize it's like, you have a lot more control and responsibility over your own life than you realize. And the, the, the systems that be want to take that away from you. And it's a conscious choice to realize what's happening and say, fuck that. No, mm-hmm. I'm going to have responsibility for my health and, and the health and well-being of my family and friends and the people around me. Now I could speak to you about this health stuff all day. I'm, I, I know we've got a pretty health conscious audience as well. I think it's just so important that 
people take this a little bit more seriously with with what's going on in the world. Yeah, but I warned you it could be a six hour podcast. For sure, yeah. Oh, I, I could I could go all day. Yeah. But I, I want to talk to you about the business stuff as well and and your journey there. Yeah. Maybe one day we can revisit and get really into some of these other things down the line. But but with your with your journey, okay, you, you got together with your 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 co-founder in your in your apartment, decided that you're gonna give this a crack for a start. Put it would have been a lot of work to save up 60 grand each. How did you get that initial investment to then go put that into a business? Yeah, so sick 2011, 2012, 2013, mid-2014 um, is when we have the breakthrough, right? Uh, roughly around that, let's just say mid-2014 to keep it easy. Um, I then can um, – I, I kind of knew a little bit at the end of 2013 and I, and I increased my workload. Um, but then like mid-2014, into 2014, mid-2014, I really got it. My life changed around. And so I was running a tennis coaching business. And, um, that was, um, that was, uh, really flexible, which was very, very important. Uh, so I, I did uni and finished uni in 2011. Um, and when I say I was sick in 2011, it was towards the back half. Um, and so I just scraped through feeling horrible in the back half of 2011, finished uni, didn't go down the corporate route, went into, um, hitting tennis balls for a living, but could barely work. Um, and was living off government support uh, because of it and um, riding around on a push bike with $30 to, to my name, flat broke, chronically sick, with um, horrible, horrible anxiety. And we, um, well, we, I, I stayed flat broke for um, a few years, a number of years. <laughs> I, um, I, I made money in 2014 in the tennis coaching business and then made a, a solid amount in 2015 into 2016. Like my business um, took off the tennis coaching and I did it in a way where I had like group lessons. So I could get like 10 kids in a, in a lesson, paying me 20 bucks and uh, could do like a few hours of that every day. Do, you know, make 600 bucks or whatever a day, $500, I don't know. Kind of. I mean, you consciously consciously saving as much as, as you can and living off the everything. bare minimum. So you everything, could, yeah, everything. So I, I remember I made ninety three thousand dollars in that final year before um, starting Tropeka or, or in the process of beginning Tropeka, and I put everything into it. Yeah, everything. Yeah. So when I say I, even when I made money, I was flat broke, and um, and so we launched twenty sixteen. Um, worked um, both jobs. Um, would wake up, go do tennis coaching. Um, from 6.30 to 8.30 in the morning, go home, work all day, get in a car, start coaching from 3.30 to 5.30, um, sometimes 6 or whatever, go home, work even longer. Ironically, starting a health food business while working ridiculous, unhealthy hours of 16 hours a day. Um, but that's the life. And I still um, I recovered very, very well. So I was able to do it. And my business partner, who was amazing, still is. Um, was doing the same and just an, an absolute strong vision of what we wanted to do and pumped everything into it and stayed broke. And eventually uh, Tropeka could pay us a little bit and then um, took off and things improved. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of sacrifice. Well, to, to the tennis point as well, you used him as an example before, and I don't ever, ever want to tell people what to think or what they should believe, but it's like Novak Djokovic used him as an example. Isn't it interesting how certain people get vilified and painted as the enemy for having their own beliefs and views and, 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 you know, standing by them. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, 
um, uh, the absolute ridiculousness to tell the um, how do I put this? Um, the decisions people should be making around their health should be up to them and the people that know them best, which is their personal doctors. Mm. I find it I find it abhorrent when a government tells you what you need to do for your health as if a one-size-fits-all approach to healthcare is appropriate. I think... And this is, uh, this is off the back of me, my life being fucked over through a similar one-size-fits-all approach to health. But tells would be one thing. I think arguably there's a lot more than tells people. Tells? Telling people what to do would be one thing. Oh, absolutely. You know. Absolutely. Well, look, we've got a, um, a recession now and, um, and uh, a lot of people are trying to figure out why. Um, well, look, when you shut down the economy and you destroy entrepreneurship for, um, for two years um, while um, making sure that the pharmaceutical industry earns um, billions of dollars, then now you've got your answer because you can't just keep on printing money. Yeah, 100%. And that's a whole other topic we, we could go into. And like that whole one size fits all thing as well, back to like the antibiotics for your skin. I, I was on that for a while. Didn't work, luckily. I say luckily, I took Racketeen next. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. The amount of, I'm sure you probably would have, you know, with the, all your, it would have come across you how bad Racketeen is for people. Like, I don't know how that I've, to be honest, I know it was really, really bad. I haven't looked at, looked into it again. Like, I'm, I'm I took it when I was in high school. So, Hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm fine, but it'd be interesting to. Mine was, um, so mine was minamycin, which was an antibiotic. I I tried that one. Yeah. I believe is racket. It's uh, not an antibiotic. It's not an antibiotic. It's like a, um, isn't it a derivative of like, I don't, oh yeah, I can't even remember what it is, but I know it's not an antibiotic, but I know it's not the, um, (laughs) it will have some pretty, um, fucking horrible side effects. Yeah. And, um, and, and there's, um. Yeah, if anyone's going through acne, like there's, um, see if you can go and see a functional medicine practitioner before, um, before jumping on um, on these pills because there are alternate solutions. Sure, yeah, and like for me, again, I haven't looked into it recently, which I probably would just out of curiosity. Like from my really basic understanding, like what racutin does, it changes the way your body produces oils forever. So it's like if something's changing you on a physiological level that to that extent, like, I mean, I hope, I, I'm hope you're all right, but like, it's just a, a risk. And like, I've got a friend they are on as well that they've got a business pure you and the, the healing acne through like a gut health yeah, program nice. and the results that they've had is incredible. But awesome. first people think people do is pills, you know what I mean? Or like yeah. really to- like really harmful chemicals on your skin, one of the two. So yeah, there, there are healthier alternatives out there, right? I checked out pure use um, product and I thought it was Pretty pretty rock solid, yeah. So if you like, um, if I'm remembering correctly, um, hopefully I am. But um, yeah, I mean, if you look, combine that with, um, you know, there there are foods and and yeah. and products that people use that trigger acne. Yeah. Right. So if you're um, identifying them and cutting them out, like for instance, like a big one for me was dairy. Right? For sure. Common for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, people just don't realize. So. There's, there's, there's a range of things you can do in that space. Um, and 
you if you re- meet the right um, health professional, uh, they will uh, they'll be able to guide you in a journey to hopefully um, not need yeah antibiotics or, or whatever it is. Because I get it, it can be debilitating in terms of mental health as well. But again, I think you got to think big picture sometimes. And people I've I've spoken to that have said they're struggling so bad with self-worth with acne in particular. And they tried, they're like, there's no, there's, it can't get worse. I'm going to try Rakuten. And then I've seen them go public on their stories six months later saying, I don't really want to be, you know, making this content while I'm in this headspace, but I talked really, you know, publicly about taking the Rakuten because she showed the results and look, it does work for your skin. Then she said, it's the biggest regret I've ever had in my life. Like I feel I thought I was depressed before. Now I'm depressed, like on a cellular level and there's nothing you can do about it. So just think about your choices really, really deeply when it comes to that stuff. Now to get back onto the business part, what I'm really interested about, I want to talk a little bit about the the startup phase and then the scale up phase, which is what I want to spend most time talking to you about. But one thing that's interesting, you put all your invested, all your money nearly into inventory and you had basically zero marketing budget. Was it the influences that you started to work with at the start? Like, how did you make your first million? What tactics did you use with a limited budget to like make the first million and start, you know, start slowly growing the brand? Yeah, so I um, I knew internet marketing really well. As I um, when I was seventeen, I started a, a business that did um, SEO, Google Ads. So this is two thousand and two thousand eight. Really? Yeah, when I finished high school. Um, straight away I went and um, yeah, started a business that helped some family friends and then a couple of other clients uh, with their online marketing, even email marketing as well. So, and then I created, um, while I was a tennis coach, I created a, um, it's not up anymore, but I created a, a subscription website um, where other coaches around the world could pay to, um, to get access to about 200 free, well, not free, it was paid for, but 200 um, tennis drills, video tennis drills that I did. So I had, um, and I had like an email campaign sequence on all of that. So I understood internet marketing really well. So it wasn't hard for us out of the get-go to um, to to know what to do. Yeah. And my, my housemate had his own marketing agency, branding agency. So everything that looks amazing is because of Blake um, <laughs> in our business. I, I do like, um, I do marketing strategy and operations. Um, and we do touch over into each other's areas, but like he does product now and branding and it's brilliant and very grateful for him. And, uh, anyway, we, um, yeah, we did influences to start and then we did, um, yeah, remarketing, which was a big one as well. Just, you know, the glory days before iOS 14. And do you remember what your CPMs were when you first launched on Facebook? <laughs> Crazy. I didn't even have to look at that stuff. It just yeah. worked. All I, all I ever looked at was, um, was ROAS. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, am I making money? Cool. Yeah. You know, like very simple decision makings early on in the business. And um yeah, we um we we did that. We had um I built out like email campaigns on um I think MailChimp to start, but then we moved over to Clavio or maybe we were on Clavio from the very get go. I can't even remember. So we built that like um ongoing customer and um and and drove traffic through influences but coupled with an exceptional product and exceptional customer mm. service like you can do all of these tactics but if your product sucks and you don't like treat your customers as your good friend then um yeah like good luck particularly with a business with yours where 
all all the all the margin, all the profit, all the only way you can grow is repeat business. So you have to have a good product for, mm-hmm. in order to do that, right? And um, I want to ask you a question. You you guys seem like you had a pretty good base base of knowledge when when you when you started the business. So you guys were pretty empowered. But have you found as you guys have grown, have you had the best success when it comes to like media buying, having it internally, or do you prefer to work with like agencies with that stuff? What's worked best for you guys at different stages of the journey? Well, I, I ran our media buying for a number of years. Probably the only CEO still doing it. It was so stupid. Um, <laughs> up until like OS 14. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, we've used some, um, we, we work with an agency at the moment. Um, yeah. and, um, and, and do, but we do creative, um, 95 percent of creative in-house yeah, so yeah, yeah it's, um, it's been a mix i worked with like 98 percent of agencies are useless yeah um, dude. at least at least at a large scale yeah um and then at least 50 percent suck at us like sure. when you're at a small scale now I, I asked you i kind of got the vibe from the health food thing some of the things that like, grind your gears that you don't don't like what's what's one thing from the e-com industry as a whole that you dislike or you would change if you could Putting you on the spot again, I'm aware. Yeah, I think um, when I meet businesses, I realize um, how so many of them are just um, just so fucking self-centered. What do you like? People are so focused on success and will bullshit their way, especially in the world of marketing, like selling a product that doesn't really do what it says it does. Right, and um, and degrading. It's worse in the health industry. Well, it's not worse, but it sucks in the health industry because you're actually really like if you're genuinely a good person, you're trying to benefit other people's lives. And I just don't see that so often with um, e-commerce. The thing that sucks as well. Like I was having this conversation in the car coming up here. Like there's a there's a company that um, yeah, there's like there's health companies that like. Um, so the TGA in Australia is pretty strict and it's great, you know, and, and, and there's also Fazan's food standards, Australia, New Zealand, they're strict and that's great. Like it, it stops people from like just saying, Hey, like my protein powder cures cancer, right? <laughs> like, um, and, and a range of other things, but like there's companies out there, like you get away with so much more in the e-commerce world because you're not on shelf. Now we're on shelf in 2000 stores and we really care about what we actually say. Particularly smaller brands because like we, we face the same thing in terms of like we're an ARTG listed product. We're listed with the FDA. Oh, really? And ARTG, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and once you get big enough, you get on the radar, they make sure you're compliant. But it's like you're competing against hundreds of smaller ones that can do and say whatever they want because they're not yet, you know. They, well, they shouldn't be, obviously. Well, they are. look, I know um, I know naming names, some very large companies that um, in our space that um, built their business doing illegal things and um, and they've changed practices since because um, there was enough heat from, um, funnily enough, other companies in the industry that were in the traditional retail that went after them. Mm. Um, but, look, there's even companies that, like, I have to deal with, like, there's, there's, a, there's a company that like kills it um, that's like a US-based entity, uh, but they're Australian and they've got a US company and they say some wild things on like their Facebook ads. And it's like, you can't say that. Everyone knows you can't, but like the TGA is not saying them. Yeah. And like, fuck, like, like, 
what am I going to do, spend my day dobbing them into the TGA? Like i got better things to do. 100%. You know, you lose, if you start doing that, you just got to, you know, you've lost the battle. Like you got to focus on your business. But, gee, it's fucking annoying. Like seeing companies, like they know what they're doing as well. They know that they're protected with a US-based entity um, and they can sell to Australians saying some wild things mm-hmm. and get away with it. And um, they're making an absolute killing through it. Um, now, granted, I'm a little bit less annoyed with that business because I actually see their product as it's a great product. It costs a fortune, but it's a great mm-hmm. product. So I'm glad that at least they don't have a shitty product. Yeah, yeah. But gee, they're like, God, like they'd be in so much trouble from the TGA if, um, if, um, yeah, if they got caught out. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting kind of, um, it's an interesting kind of world. That's so I, I'm, I don't really play in a lot of like the e-commerce world. I don't, I'm, I'm starting to like meet a whole lot more like e-commerce owners and founders, but I'm still very much in my own little world. Mm. Um, and I don't really, um, really get out there a whole lot. Um, so I don't really see a lot of there's a lot of cowboys in e-commerce. I'll tell you that. Yeah. What, 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 what annoys you out of the e-commerce? World? Oh, it's all, this, it's all bullshit. Everyone f- flexes their Rolexes and the fake quads of cash oh, and okay. drop shit this. And it's all ego based. <laughs> like right. e-com. Out of Florida. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's like e-com. It's portrayed as this easy way to just print cash. And it's yeah. like, they get everyone in and they realize it's not fucking like that. Nah. And it's just so many egos and, and like people make a little bit of money and they start acting different and they yeah. start treating other people different. I'm like, I've got no time for that. And so I'm fairly insulated from, from that as well. Like I've got obviously a lot of friends in e-com, but I'm a lot more particular. I don't like going to networking events. I don't like, you know, being, I'm not an e-com guy. Mm. You know, e-com is the vehicle in which I'm predominantly run my business, mm. but I'm not married to e-com and I'm not going to act like, you know, it's, you just turn on a store. Oh, okay. Let's just drop ship products. Oh, you can have your store up in 24 hours. You'll be making profit tomorrow. Like oh, that's, hilarious, that you, stuff. Yeah, that's what really fucking pisses me off. And like, you can make a lot of money with e-com and, and you can absolutely change your life, but you've got to go into it with a different approach. It's not a quick fix to all your problems. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Look, I, I, I was thinking e- more e-com, but that's just business in general. And I'm not married to e-com either. Like we, um, as I said, we're in 2000 stores. We just did a really cool launch of our bars into Coles mm. and um, we got some fun ahead in that space as well yeah. this year. So um, we're, um, and we got export partners around the world in retail. So um, it, it's just a, it's another point of channel, but I think, yeah, look, so many of those, um, so many of those get rich quick scams or schemes, um, that you see and, and people trying to be someone that they're not like, uh, yeah, I, the, the, like, I know e-com founders like just destroying and like don't even know yeah. that they even exist, right? Yeah. It's a bit tricky. Like I'm trying to be more of a face of my business at the same time. And um, I like these kind of things, but like I'm not a, um, yeah. I hope that as I grow my presence and my face that I can, I can stay true to what's required around painting the picture of what like business life is, right? Like it's, it's, it's fucking war, man. <laughs> it's a, it's a battle. Like if you want to, if you want to scale something, you know, if you want to go down, especially the route that 
Um, did you have do you have investors? No. Yeah. So if you want to go down the route like we've taken, like it's it's fucking war, mm-hmm. you know, every day. And um, I love it. Yeah. I thrive off it. You know, I'm not doing it for other people. And I think that's the first and most important thing, right? Like if you're getting into business, like if you're doing it for someone else or you're doing it for the look or the ego, like good luck to you. Like that's not sustainable. No. Like the like the battles that I've had to go through, um, like and just the, the effort that you've got to put in day in, day out, like it's because I love it because it's because I have a TV in front of me and I'm like, I don't want to watch Netflix. Mm. I do not want to watch TV. I want to work on my business and I love it. I love putting out the fires. Yeah. And I put out a fire this morning, like a big one, right? Like on the way, driving here in the car. And no, I, every single one of my friends would absolutely hate that. Yeah. Like that morning. For me, let's go. Yeah. Right. Look, I, it's an adjustment period. I didn't, I was 24 and I launched the business. Um, I didn't, same. didn't know what yeah. I was getting into. Um, pretty quickly it hits you and you're like, oh, fuck, you know. How old, sorry, how old are you? 29. Okay. Almost 30 actually, a few months. Okay. So, yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, and then you realize that really quickly and then you got a, you got a decision to make. Is this a life you want or is it not? And like sometimes like there's problem after problem after problem, but I couldn't fucking do anything else. And you do it for the love of it. And that's the people that, you know, stick at it. And that's the people that really win. And it's not about the quick success, how much money you can make with a dodgy product in three months or six months with, with e-com pre iOS with like the way Facebook ads were. So well, heaps of people used to do that. People used to, you know, they would have been trying to make their quick money knowing they're going to be in and out. They're going to be a faceless brand and they don't care what happens. And like part of the reason that I just launched an education company um, in the e-com space. And, and, and again, it's not something I'm trying to scale super quickly because I, I do have a lot on my plate but the way I'm doing it is so different. And it's like, I want to be the way I'm doing it is like, it's kind of born out of like being like the anti-guru. It's like all these people that are going to try and teach you business or e-com fuck. Like they've only made their money off you. Like show me the people that have run big brands that are doing it. They're all, you know, anonymous dropshippers that can say they've made 1 million, 2 million, 5 million, 10 million with zero proof. And they make their money off you because like I'm a big advocate for, you know, online business is a great way to change your life. You don't need hundreds of thousands of dollars for stock to move into retail. You don't have to do crazy product development at the start. There are options. So people take advantage of that and they take advantage of people not being satisfied with where they are and they use that fear to their advantage. But that fear and that want for more is, is a beautiful thing. And I fucking hate that people take advantage of that. And it'd be the same in the health food space, right? People want to change something for a certain reason. And the, the brands that are doing the wrong things don't care and they're fucking taking the money and they're give, leaving people with a sour taste in their mouth and then they'll go affect the brands like yourself that are doing it right. Yeah, spot on. Yeah. Now, in terms of the scale-up phase, I want to speak to you about, you know, the, the main differences between startup and scale-up, which you've obviously gone through a lot. But if you had to break it down to like a couple key points, how do you go, how do you take a brand from a seven-figure brand to an eight figure brand because it's 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 a it's a big difference. Well you, you need the foundations to start with. It's not necessarily just even just taking something from seven, eight figures, right? It's like, do you have an amazing product that fits an eight figure brand? Mm-hmm. Right. That isn't now you can create an eight figure brand that's trendy, that sticks around for the next year or two. But it's like, you know, we've now a few years into being an eight figure brand, right? So it's like, can you have that sustainability? 
And you need it off the back of a great product and great customer service, great lifetime customer value as well. Mm-hmm. that. And then like other opportunities will present themselves. Like, you know, as I said, we're like, we just went into Coles, right? Like that opportunity presented itself because we built the reputation uh, and built the, the product that would even allow us to have a conversation around something like that. So there's that. There's structures, um, which is very, very important. Like structure is everything and systems. So it's like, you know, like let's say that you get an influx of sales. Well, if you can't like get it out the door and provide great customer service at the same time, then like cool, you're an eight-figure brand for a week, right? True, yeah. So like knowing your systems, like I know everything. I've done every job in the business, every job. Not, not kidding. Like I, I know every single job in the business and I know how to do it good, right? And some of them I know how to do great and some I know how to do excellent. And I try to do what I do great and excellent every day and then leave good to someone who can do it great, right? An employee. So I want to understand everything um, so that I know the levers and the, the different pieces of the puzzle that kind of need to be put together in order to scale on the sales and marketing front and then um, how to satisfy that customer so that they're actually going to turn up the next year and the year after that and the year after that. And so um, for us, you know, we were e-commerce first. So it's about like okay, how do you how do you scale what, you, what you're doing in terms of social, both you know, paid, influencer and organic and, and how do you um, – how do you build meaningful customer relationships? How do you how do you treat people really well? And then um, the last couple of years, it's been around like, well, how do I actually build out retail? Right, and that's been fun. It's like I had no experience in health and wellness before Tribeca or before I got sick. I had no ex- experience in. I suppose I had experience in e-com, but a different version of it through an online service. But I had no experience in physical products. Like I've learned literally everything. I think the most important thing is you you need to figure out what you don't know that you don't know. One thing that I know that I do very well is I ask a lot of dumb questions, ask a heap load of questions to experts. I figure out who the experts are and I ask them a whole lot of questions. And if you ask a lot of dumb questions as well, you probably aren't even dumb that you kind of know everything. A lot of people miss gaps because they're too afraid to ask a question or they don't ask questions. You want to be great ask questions and figure out who to talk to. And then the biggest danger is you don't know what you don't know in life. You want to turn that into, okay, I now know what I don't know. And then you want to turn that into, okay, I know what I know. Now, universally, one of the biggest, if you speak to anyone that's that's built a really big brand, one of the biggest differences from the startup to scale-up phase is something you just mentioned, like your systems and processes. Now, as someone that has built out a business, you have, you know, the operational side, you have the pick packers, you have product, customer service, your marketing team. How, how did you go about creating KPIs uh, that meant the business was performing on all aspects? Because some people think KPIs and it'll be like, that's just for a sales team. But realistically, if you can set them up correctly for all elements of your business, you're going to be firing on all cylinders. Talk to me about kind of how you identify ways to KPI or role so then you get better performance uh, and better buy-in from the team. Look, it's a great question, and I think I do this good, and I could do it even better. Um, so this is like 
there's 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 heaps of ways that I suck and I could be better at things. Um, in terms of like, let's break down each different area of um of the business. So like pick and pack, we have uh, the ability through the software software that we use to um, export. Okay, how many orders did someone do every single day, and then head operations marks that down and, um, and, and has a running total. And then we see, okay, how many returns we got on someone putting the incorrect product in the packaging. And then we mark down um, how many errors and mistakes they've made from customer service, um, passing those details on. Then every quarter we we, we look at their performance and um, we encourage them, right? Like, okay, this is where you need to get better and how can you go about it? And had very good conversations around that. and. I make sure I hire people that um, are able to have those conversations as well. Uh, in production, we have um, the amount that we get through in terms of the the, um, the mixing and the filling. Uh, for instance, we have our own um, Australian certified organic facility, HACCP facility in-house, but we only produce about 15% in-house. Um, most of it's contract manufactured, which they then have their own KPIs on. I don't even have to worry about that, right? Um then so that's that's like back office right there, and then um, we do a thing with our managers like OKRs, right? I think it's objectives and key key results or whatever it's called. Um, but it's essentially like okay, what are your objectives each quarter, and then like what's going to actually um, signify that you've reached those key results? Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I care most about in terms of management. Um, and then I have um, I'm very like I'm in dialogue a lot with um, with my managers, although I'm. I'm remote CEO, I'm talking to them every day, you know, and I'm big on those daily check-ins, real big on those daily check-ins. Um, I've been pretty pretty poor over time with um, formal check-ins and um, I could get better at that, but I've kind of been saved because I'm doing those daily check-ins often. Like I know the temperature of our business all the time. And so on the marketing side, um, yeah, they've got their own um, their own KPIs that um, our head of marketing um, works with them on, which is um, which is important in terms of um, you know we've got like social media like we call them social media currencies right like you know and, and they're based off like you know how we how we actually go about producing content and the speed of producing content and how we represent our brand and so they're they're based off that and then um, we have um, we have customer service, which has built-in KPIs through Gorgeous. That um, our, yeah, which our um, our um, they get bonuses and rewards um, for for producing great customer service. So, um, and then the most important one: me and my business partner are accountable to each other every day. We send each other an end-of-day report. Right, this is what I did. And and everyone in our every manager in the organization sends an end of day report. Oh, you want to work remote? Oh, you want me not to turn up to the warehouse? Great, let's do that. Let's give you that flexibility. Send an end of day report at the end of the day saying what you did, um, so that you're accountable, and uh, myself included. I send that end of day report to my co-founder, and I think um, you can run a remote, very much a remote business through accountability and people having the right attitude and giving a lot of trust. I've had employees where we've given a lot of trust and broken that trust and see you later mm-hmm. um, because uh, trust is something you give it in that environment. There's no room for 
if you're coming into the office every day, then yeah, there can be some flexibility around trust perhaps, even though I probably would still disagree with that, but like definitely in a remote environment, like, yeah, don't, um, don't break trust. You mentioned hiring like the right people. Now, again, we could speak about recruiting and HR and culture for another hour easily in of itself. But if you were to, to boil it down to what one big lesson that you've taken away from, from hiring from recruitment, what do you think that most important nugget you've taken away or learned over the last you know, five, six, seven, eight years, whatever it's been. Best thing is hiring a really great person in terms of like values and what they stand for, that you would describe them as a good person and then asking them who they'd hire, hiring good people through other good people. Good, mm-hmm. It's a weird thing in life. Good people hang out with other good yeah, people. Yeah, who would have thought? Good people know other good people. Good people generally don't like other people yeah, who are just right, yeah. like bad people, right? So I found great people to come work for us off the back of asking, finding that first good person and then getting them um, to um, to recommend people. And that's been, a, that's been a big nugget. Now, it's not perfect because then you can get good people in roles that aren't suited for their roles. And mm-hmm. I've learned a lot off, a lot off the back of that um, where as your business grows, you um, you need a hire as a team and not a family. And I think that's very important. And, um, Talk to me about that distinction. I've heard you speak about it before, and I think it's um, there's some really good wisdom in that. Yeah, I, um, I've heard it off um, some notable business people. I think the last person I heard it off was Toby Pierce, um, who's ex ex sweat, massive, yeah. and um, and and he he said he had to kind of go through that as well that that journey and. You know, like we we were very close with the people that we um, first um, we first um, we were our first employees, right? And um, and we were like, oh yeah, we can be a family. Oh, this is nice. Hey, this Tropica family off to help the world be better in their health. And the issue with that that we learnt and we learnt the hard way, including with some friends. Like, never hire friends, by the way. Um, just, just doesn't work out. But um, Oh, actually, there was one friend that worked for me, um, and she she was she was great. She was able to separate it, which is good. Um, but um, yeah, don't um, don't. Uh, I'm talking close friends, by the way. Like, you can have friends who are just like friends that like I don't know how you you describe like not close friends, but just friends. You know, that's fine. But um, you know, it's it's an issue hiring close friends a lot of the time, and. A lot of that is because you see them as family, right? The issue with family is business is like a sports team. And if you don't perform in a sports team, you get dropped, and rightly so. If you don't perform in a business, you should get dropped, rightly so. Now, it's a bit of a harsh word, dropped. You can, but the outcome of that can be in any, any regard. But... And then there's a whole bunch of people listening. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, sorry. Who are you for a second to be so narcissistic to suggest for a moment that your coworker can work their ass off for a goal to help millions of people in their health that we have? And then you have the audacity to think that you should get paid the same amount of money as them while they work their ass off to help other people. 
What kind of narcissism is that? Now, I don't expect equality. I don't expect performance to be all the same. I expect an attitude because I can guarantee if I go to pick and pack now in my warehouse, I'm going to get destroyed by our pick and pack team. They're going to have much better numbers, right? They're great. But I'm going to have the attitude that I'm going to put these products in the box to the best of my ability and it's going to be the right product and I'm going to tape it up nicely and try and do it as quickly as po- and efficiently as possible. And the more that I do, the closer we get to our goal of impacting, positively impacting millions of people in their health. The thing I have an issue with is the performance of an attitude and people thinking that that's acceptable, a poor attitude. And in a family, you put up with your brothers, sisters, and cousins' poor attitude because they're family. But in a team, you don't. And so making that shift over to, yeah, we're Team Trapeka, we're not mm. Trapeka family, has been, um, has been important. And we've had people leave our business because they don't like the culture. Fair enough. I started in a family where it was all lovey-dovey family and I could perhaps not work as effectively with the right attitude as what I would ha- as if I was able to work with the wrong attitude and just cruise through and get paid. By the way, they always still have the expectation that the boss has to pay them every two weeks, right? Like that expectation never changes. So I bring to the table the expectation they have, provide a good working environment and pay them. But then they are in an environment where they can maybe the boss isn't around because he's remote, blah, 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 and they can do this or that. um, They can get away with it. And so when you change from a family to a team and suddenly the dynamic and the culture changes to an expectation of a better attitude and with that, when you have a better attitude, you perform better anyway. So clearly performance will improve regardless then yeah, of course, of course you wouldn't like the culture as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at the moment, like we've got a, a great group of people, very, very grateful. And um, and it only makes us want to bless them even more. Um, I'm looking, for, looking forward to our business succeeding even more to, to bless our current group. They're, um, they're very good and, and we do. We, we have some, some employee um, perks that definitely make things um, nice as well. And looking back at your own journey as an entrepreneur and, and, and everything you've learned from Trapeka, again, to nail it down to one thing, because we could, we could spend all day talking about how you've grown as, as a human and, and as a leader, what do you think would be the one thing on, upon reflection that the business journey and the business growth has forced you to grow and has been a noticeable change looking back like shit? Yeah, I did level up. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely everything. Um, I'm 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 constantly reminded about how um how poor I am in certain areas and how much I can get better and um and level up and I, I work very hard on myself and uh to do that through personal development and a range of other things and um and then just even from the business side and leadership and communication and how I express myself and even other things like, you know, like getting better at, 
at the finances, at the numbers, at um, even areas I'm strong at, but because the business grows, like the importance of like yeah. um, getting really, really good at it, like even numbers around like media buying and stuff like that, right? And just having a, a really strong understanding of that and, um, yeah, I've, um, I've had to level up massively. Yeah. Now, where do you, what, like, what's, what's the vision? What's the mission for like Drupika? What, what, what's next on the horizon? Like where, where do you want to take the company? Uh, look, our North Star is always like to positively impact millions of people in their health. And um, we want to be the most recognized health brand in the world. If it takes 10, 20, 30 years, that's okay. And for us, the next steps is, um, yeah, is building out retail, but building out export and, um, and brand awareness and, and hitting a, a much wider market through having multiple touch points. Mm. Now, a couple last questions and, and, and we'll wrap it up. If you were starting again with, with no money or similar amount of money to what you had at the beginning, what do you think you would do? As in, you as, as in, your am, age I, am now, I starting? You're starting am I, now. Like, am I starting Trapeka again? No, like if Trapeka just for whatever reason was gone, you you you're back to you know where you were with money right now. If you were going to start another business, like, what are your first couple of moves? How do you figure out what you're going to do next? Because a lot of people at that stage, right? Most mm-hmm. people, well, there's going to be a lot of people listening that have businesses for sure, but most people listening don't have or want to have or want to, you know, where would you start? That's what I want to know. Well, every man and his dog sells a protein powder these days. It's got a very low barrier to entry. And um, and so, like, I love health and wellness and I want to continue to do heaps of, um, uh, you know, I want to focus on that. Like, that's that's my life's calling. Yeah. But I also want to do other things, um, like get into Web3, you know, so I'm starting that a lot at the moment. But if I was someone starting out, I think it... Instead of talking about what I would do, it's better me talking about what I would recommend they do, which is start probably a service-based business. Like if you have no business experience, start there. e actually very tough despite what the TikTok videos tell you. And um, if you're not, you know, I know you, you've got an education program and, as well. So like that's a if you want to do it, like that's a great place to start then. Like at least like learn what you don't know that you don't know if you're really committed to e-com and even, uh, you know, I don't know your course, but maybe your course also is something that like teaches business principles that allow you to still take a lot of that. And, you know, you might start with e-com and realize, well, actually I have a much lower barrier to entry if I start my own service business. You know, I had a tennis coach Well, I had, my first internet marketing business helping another other companies for so B2B. And then I had a tennis coaching business, right? Yeah. Like it didn't cost me barely anything. Like the big one that cost me a huge amount of money that was all or nothing was Trapeka, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And I did it at the right time where I could see a clear need. Like people are starting new health and wellness companies all the time. And it's like, dude, there's like 80 of those products on the market in Australia, let alone the world at the moment. Like what 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 do you what new thing are you bringing to the table? Like with Tropica, we were bringing. There's not a cool brand that relates to the younger generation that's really high quality that actually is going to make an impact and allow people to really feel proud about expressing their values. So I saw a clear market there. There was very little. Co- 
No, we grew to eight figures a year in three years and no one in retail knew who we were. No one in retail knew who we were. That says everything. You can't do that in e-commerce in the health and wellness space anymore because everyone's playing in that space. So we had a market, right? So figure out a market, figure out a problem and a solution and make sure that no one else is or very few at the at the like just ideally no one else is solving that problem you provide the solution and try and do it in a um, in an industry that's not going to cost you a combined total of what we had which was $120,000 to start and um and and at the same respect like a service based business is is perfect for that as, especially if you're not like getting a shop front or anything like that right it's like an online thing or you can go and hire a tennis court and hit some tennis balls and promote via or, or leverage an existing database such as the local tennis center to get someone to allow you to do lessons or something like that. Yeah, and still like the marketing and growth of a business, there's a lot of things that you can leverage off. Like you could do the same things to market your brand as you could your tennis stuff. A lot of the same things would work. So Absolutely. it's about building your skill set, building your knowledge. Like you said, you don't know what you don't know. Seek people that you trust in a certain field, whatever it is you're interested in, and do your work, do your research. Like, fuck the amount of podcasts and book, books I read before I started the business was ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. two hours a day, I'd probably spend self-educating, if not more, in the in the in the year or two at least, leading up to building a business. So I think that's really important. Now, well, to to wrap it up, um, just one. If if I know this is going to be like you know choosing a favorite child, but if if there was just one Chapika product that you could recommend to me, what do you think you would you'd recommend? I'm really, um, really excited about um, a recently launched product called our Protein Plus Collagen. Mm-hmm. And the reason is it, it literally, we're calling it the world's best beauty protein. Now it works. It's great for guys and girls. Yeah. Um, and it's the world's best beauty protein because it has the world's most absorbable pea protein in it. So it uses, again, it goes back to the tricky thing with this is I'm talking specs, but in like, People only care about the end outcome, which is yeah, the, yeah. the fact that it's a protein and also has a beauty component. But it um, has the world's most absorbable pea protein in it and um, we have first access to in Australia. And it also has the world's best, most sustainable marine collagen in it, which is important for all aspects of, um, yeah, like from skin to hair, nails, everything. So um, that's great. Now, if that's a little bit too feminine, or you, um, I would recommend, again, I really love our, we have what we believe is Australia's healthiest coffee. So our premium organic clean coffee. So if you're into coffee, that um, that's a mass market kind of thing. Um, or just our bread and butter, what we became famous off, our lean proteins. Yeah. How's the beauty custard going? That seems like a pretty good cool innovation. Yeah. So again, like the, the, the toughest thing with that is, um, expressing like, like, like we think that we've actually like told people how to use the product correctly. And then you get customer service. Like, I don't know how to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's been a learning curve for us where, yeah, you can sell the product, but like helping people actually learn about the product and utilize it is so important. Um, so yeah, that's a really cool product. It's again, got, um, similar to protein collagen, but, um, just thicker to turn into a custard. So it's got the protein. It's got the marine collagen. Uh, the banana from it tastes really, really good as well. So that's a, it. it's a cool little thing. And where's the best place for people to find either yourself um, or, or, or Tropica? Where's the best place people can find you guys? 
Yeah, so um, I'm doing a bit of content on Instagram and TikTok, Kalashal, C, so a bit of a combination of my name, C-A-L-A-S-H-A-L-L, Kalashal and uh, Tropeka. Everyone asks, what's Tropeka stand for? Um, most people can't pronounce it. They say Tropiaca or something. It's a combination <laughs> of tropical and peak performance with an A on the end. So Tropeka, uh, T-R-O-P-E-A-K-A.com. So I imagine there weren't too many uh, issues getting trademarks for that sort of a name there. No, there so wasn't. Perfect, like- I had to buy as well the um, the uh, the misspellings of our domain and yeah. do like 301 redirects to yeah. it and all that. So. Well, think about, again, another lesson I've spoken about this a little bit before, like with what you know about IP and trademarks, think about the words I used, Happy Skin Co. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, it was just, if you can have a unique name like that, that's, again, unique but easy to understand and, and memorable, I feel like. It's going to stand you in good stead for that stuff as the company grows. But Caleb, uh, it's been fucking an hour, over an hour and a half already. Time's flown. Thank you so much. We could have doubled this conversation easily, maybe in a, another day down the road when talk about something new with Tropeka and dive really into so many of the things you're passionate about. So thanks again. I appreciate you coming in. Awesome. Thank you, mate. I appreciate uh, you having me on. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or you got something out of it, do yourself a favor, do me a favor, do your friends a favor and share this with them and they can come along on this journey with us. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.